of the Board Game Geek Podcast, where we geek out about board games, the mechanisms behind them, and the people who create them. I'm your host, Candace Harris, and I'm here today with the owner and creator of Board Game Geek, Scott Alden, a.k.a. Aldi. How are you doing today, Aldi? I'm doing well, Candace. Very happy to be here. How are you doing? <laughs> awesome. I'm happy to be here, too, and... I'm happy to have you here as my first co-host. <laughs> yeah, super exciting. I'm very excited about this too. So today we're going to discuss our top five Spiel 2022 releases that we're most excited to play. And before we kind of get into uh, talking about board games, I just wanted to just say a quick thank you to you, Aldi, for you know giving me the opportunity to host this podcast. I have, you know, I've am in love with playing board games, but something I've discovered in the past couple of years since I've been in the hobby is that I really also love talking about board games and kind of sharing them with other people and also like hearing about board games and discovering games from other people as well. So having a podcast for Board Game Geeks just seems like right up my alley. So I'm like really grateful for the opportunity to be hosting this. Oh, you're welcome. Um, And I think you are the perfect steward for the board game geek podcast i think when i met you i was like wow you really like to talk about and are intriguingly (laughs) interesting to listen to i think that was the i can't remember that's exact words i used but i remember (laughs) us um driving in the car at one of the uh events that we've been to recently and i was like wow you just i just don't want to like interrupt you at all i want to hear your entire (laughs) games play (laughs) like that's better than playing the game (laughs) <laughs> Thanks. Aldi. Anyway, it's glad it's good that you're here, and I'm glad to uh, be a part of this. Cool, cool, and yeah. This, so this, if I recall, you you mentioned there used to be a board game geek podcast like way back in the day before I was even knew what you know that is modern true. Board games were. It's, a, it's been a bit of a year, few years. Um, if anybody was around in, I think it was 2005. <laughs> if I remember correctly, there was a podcast called Geek Speak, which was. Um, it was mostly an interview podcast about wow, the, uh, cool. it was, inter- we interviewed, um, a lot of designers. We didn't really, we, d- and we did a, you know, I think we did a little bit of talking about what we played, but I don't remember the format exactly, but I do remember we had a thing called the hook and each person was asked their favorite games for one, two, three, four, five, and six player. That was the hook of the podcast. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, that was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. You, you're, you're, you're pretty much a podcast hipster. So you were doing it before it was cool. <laughs> Me, us and Adam Curry. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you remember. Do you remember Adam Curry from MTV? No, you've I never, don't. You, you don't even I remember Adam him. Curry from MTV. He was a one of the very first podcasters also. Oh, um, cool. So we were in a small group of people that were – we written up in the LA, LA Times as well about podcasting. So that was uh, – Wow. I have, I have the article in my, uh, in my archive somewhere. <laughs> but That's things great. have changed. Many, many, many podcasters have come before us and all, and after us. <laughs> well, we are rejuvenating <laughs> the uh, BGG podcast here. <laughs> yeah, it's exciting. Uh, yeah, I like I like that hook. Uh, what did you, what did you say the segment was called? It was called it was the hook. It was the, the it was hook, called the hook, yeah. and it was uh, best games for. Well, it didn't it didn't have accounts. one. This was before solo games were like a thing. Two, th- <laughs> two, three, four. Five and six and or more was the technical hook. Gotcha. That's that's a cool so, yeah. Little that concept. gave people sort of something to think about. 
I might have to bring that back for an episode. The hook. Episode. I wouldn't mind it to come back. I think it was a great idea. It was fun. To, cool. It was fun to hear what people's favorites at those player counts and and things have probably changed over the years. Six was almost always times up. Ah, but that might be different. Uh, I don't know if that's the case anymore. You never know. Things that might have changed. Well, there are a lot more six-player games, but Time's Up is yeah. super fun. I remember uh, playing it at BGG Con last year uh, with Eric Lang running the game. He was oh, yeah. super passionate about it. I think he had his own like variant. Yeah, I, was I in that game with you? I think I was. Or no, or no, you, it was in a, I think maybe you it was did it at one. Spring. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah, you did it at BGG yeah. Spring, and I was at last uh, in 2021 uh, BGG Con in November. He must be addicted to that game or something. <laughs> he, we also had a very – I think we had like a, um, a not-yet-published game, but a version of the game from okay. uh, R&R Games. And it was very different than what I remember Time's Up to be because it was very um, – it was a little more modernized, let's say. I didn't know half the references. Some of the younger people did in the room. Gotcha. But I did not. Cool. Well, I would also like to just give a quick shout out to my friends at the Game Brain Podcast. Um, I've been kind of like involved with co-hosting on episodes of Game Brain. They're a local group of gamers in L.A., um, that I very much enjoy playing with. They are a sassy board game group uh, with impeccable taste in board gaming. And I feel like I kind of learned a lot from uh, about podcasting and being on podcasts, listening to game podcasts, and just talking about board games uh, with those folks. So I just wanted to give them a shout out too. But I think it's time we start talking about some board games. So uh, let's jump into Fresh Plays. Aldi. So this past weekend, I played a game called Oath Sworn. Oath Sworn, which okay. is a fantasy. Oh, how do you explain it? Boss battler. Okay. Is that a, is okay. that the terminology? A boss battler where I'm fighting. It's a it's a it's a team based adventure game, right? Fan in the set in a fantasy world with fantasy type characters, um, fighting fantastical creatures. Usually just one. Um, I think, although not exactly true, one. It's a boss character with minions, let's say. So um, there's two steps of the game. It's a – the first step is a app-guided – and we use the app. There is – it's an optional thing. You can just read the book yourself. It's an adventure through a a city where you get to choose where you want to go. Cool. And different locations will give you – choices to make at those locations and in the end you know you'll sometimes you'll just get like a token <laughs> based on your decisions right and i'm not 100 sure like if there's a wrong answer for anything because i don't think there's ever a wrong <laughs> answer but it just kind of sort of puts you down a path there are also fun things like um keywords like so you might have you might write the word sparkling jewelry on your you know your player sheets just so that if you come across that again, it'll say, do you have the keyword sparkling plate? You know, sparkling jewelry? Yes. Well, go read this. So it has sort of like this memory of like what you you did. Um, there is also some interesting, I don't know if it's interesting, but moral dilemmas. If you 
<laughs> decide to kill somebody. That's which is kind of like oh, like a a person in the game, like a character, not a monster, which oh, wow. was kind of <laughs> frightening. We didn't do that, but it was an option. Oh um, wow! <laughs> which is kind of yeah, it was a weird odd thing. I mean, it was sort of a horrific scenario, and the guy was sort of. I don't know. I don't want to spoil it, but basically it was maybe putting him out of his misery, let's say, if you decided ah. to kill him. Anyway, so you do this adventuring part, um, and you do track your hours through the day, and if you finish early, you get an, a reward, um, like another item or special abilities or stuff, things like that. But <clears throat> in the end, you invent, you go down into what's called an encounter. So during the encounter, you fight a boss, a very large-based miniature based it's a miniature based game and i'm not sure if the full i only did the kickstarter full mini version i'm not sure the whole options of like what the levels of the game were but like if you bought the all in you got mm-hmm. two giant huge boxes of I, I i say minis in quotes because they are not miniature <laughs> they're gigantic models they're at least six inches tall and at least eight to twelve ounces which is like kind of a lot of plastic <laughs> for a minis game wow. anyway they they are in the box so you don't really get to see them until you pull them out and you're, everybody's like ooh and ah you know like wow that's pretty cool and then you <laughs> fight and there's a mechanic to fighting and it's a you know it's a it's a gloomhaven-esque tile game you know you have cards to play and you can do actions and you get your cards back over time it's got a little bit of gloomhaven in it cool. not exactly the same but you know, similar. You you can customize your character to have different abilities based on your level. And so that was what we played all day. So we started in the morning and we finished in the mid middle of the night. Um, we got through quite a fair, fair amount of that game. So, um, but I'm looking forward to playing it more. It was definitely a cool, one of the newer um, campaign games that we've tackled as a group. Campaign games are a little bit hard for us because we like tons of different things, but settling on one game on, you know, to kind yeah. of, to get enough hours into a campaign game where you feel like, oh, I really got a good amount of that done. Like, that's a little bit challenging for us, but it was pretty fun. I have to say, I was really impressed with it. Cool. Oathsworn. So so Oathsworn. it's a cooperative game, right? It is cooperative. And um, okay. actually, let me find the designers. Jamie Jolly is the lead designer. And Jamie Jolly has designed five games, according to BGG. <laughs> None of which I'm familiar with, but okay, <laughs> a lot of games, a few games in the past five years. So, um, this might be his uh, his big breakthrough for sure. Cool. Um, it seems to be getting a lot of notoriety on BGG in a good way, and um, they had a little bit of a trouble shipping it. Um, I know that was a uh, you know based on the you know pandemic and supply sure. chain and all that stuff is just you know as is everybody. But um, it's finally delivered, and it's pretty fantastic. Yeah, it sounds it sounds really cool. I did not know much about it um, until you just mentioned it. it. It's one of those things that just sort of comes out of nowhere, right? Because you back it from I don't remember when it went on Kickstarter, or I forget it was Kickstarter or GameFound. I don't remember which. But it how many how many years ago was that? I mean, I don't remember either. I think I remember it in twenty nineteen <laughs> at Gen Con. Okay. Like it's got these very distinctive plastic trees for as terrain. Like it comes with a lot of terrain too that you can make a map. Oh, cool! And um, the tree, the trees are 
kind of ginormous. <laughs> they're, they're not minis. <laughs> they take up a huge amount of space. Um, but if you that saw it, you would remember cool. it because the trees are so distinctive. Very cool. Very cool. Oathsworn. How about you? What have you been playing? I have been playing a lot of uh, La Cremosa. Uh, La Cremosa is a new game that's actually coming out at Spiel 2022 uh, from Devere. And, you got a lucky um, early. Version. Yeah, I got a I got a preview copy, um, which I was really excited about because it's a music related theme. So that kind of excites me. Um, and this one was uh, designed by Gerard Asensi and Farron Renalius. They're the two designers of uh, On the Origins of Species, which actually came out in 2019. And I attended Spiel in 2019. And that was one of the games I was actually really excited to get. And I enjoyed. And so it was kind of cool to discover that Lacrimosa is the, the you know same designer duo. But the premise is Mozart has died and you know his final composition is unfinished. Every player is representing one of Mozart's most generous patrons. And we're kind of being interviewed by his widow, Constance. And you earn victory points in the game from his widow kind of showing appreciation for the different memories you had with Mozart and also for actually helping to finish uh, uh, Mozart's Requiem. So you play over five rounds, and each round represents a different creative stage in Mozart's life. And hmm. um, the, the, the hook is everybody has their own deck of these memory cards, which are basically action cards. And over the course of the game, you'll be able to like change your deck and kind of like make your, your deck a little bit custom. But you're always going to have nine cards, always going to have a nine-card deck. And on your turn, you'll have a hand of four cards, and you're going to play two cards. You're going to put one into uh, the top of your player board and one into the bottom. And the player boards are these, like, really awesome, like, dual-layered player boards. They kind of fold and look like a book when they're folded. They open mm -hmm. up, and the cards slide right in so you can see when they're slid in the top, you could see... Uh, icons for different actions and in the bottom there's icons for uh, resources so whichever card you put in the top that's going to dictate what action or actions you're going to take for your turn and then whatever you put in the bottom um, is going to generate you resources at the end of the round so uh, for actions you have you know you can there's a card market in the game so it's a really big game board where there's a card market and then there's like a map of Europe kind of abstract and almost like 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 the maps in like Orleans or something um, and then there's a bottom part of the game board which is looks like composition paper and it's like movements of the actual requiel composition right. that we're trying I to see like notes being yeah yeah the yeah the music yeah. notes yeah so um so you can uh for you you only have five actions so, like, once you get the actions and iconography down, it's it's kind of a breeze. Um, but you can get new memory cards um, from the card market, and the cost is kind of, like, on the bottom, depending on where it's slotted in. And when you get a new memory card, you're going to replace the card that you put in the bottom uh, when you were, like, taking that action. So you're getting rid of it, because, again, your deck is only ever going to have uh, nine cards, but you're kind of, like, upgrading that card to something different. And then 
Uh, you can also, in that same card market, take a different action, uh, which will let you uh, get an Opus card. So when you have an Opus card, that's going to allow you um, to take another action because you'll be like building this tableau of Opus cards where you could either perform or sell your Opus cards. If you perform it, you're going to like essentially rotate it or tap it um, and you'll get some money or something. You might need to spend a resource, but it's a way to kind of like get some um, money, which is ducats in the game. And then or you could sell it, which usually gives you a juicier benefit, but you have to get rid of the card. So um, that's the third action. It lets you like, you know, interact with the Opus cards you have in your tableau. Then you have a travel action where there's a wooden figure of Mozart that you can move around this map. And each map has these tiles um, that let you pretty much spend a resource to get something good or get an endgame scoring tile. So um, there's a lot of like really cool player interaction in this game. And like part of it is with this um, this map because it's not every player doesn't have their own pieces moving around a map. We are all controlling Mozart moving places, right. claiming we had all these memories with him across Europe, you know? Right. So you're sort of piecing together the history and the memory of Mozart. Exactly. Sort of how it works. It, okay. Gotcha. Exactly. We're, we're kind of telling this story of like, we had all these memories with Mozart. Uh, and then, and then the last action is, is like the Requiem action. And that's where you're actually, going to hire uh, one of the two composers that are in the game. So there's like a total of four in the game and you randomly pick two per game to use. Um, But that really means taking one of these like wooden discs off your board, representing uh, some part of the uh, instrumental uh, composition. So you have like, oh, horns, you have a choir, you have a timpani you can pull off. And you're kind of covering that space in one of five movements of the composition. Um, And then there's sort of like an area control scoring at the end. Uh, But the idea is you'll get, you know, by choosing certain composers, you get a tile, a composer tile, which you'll put on your player board. And some of those are just immediate benefits. And some are actually like ongoing benefits you'll have. Uh, which are cool, but at the end of the game, the there's an area control scoring um, depending on which of the two composers contributed most to each movement. So when you're like picking, like, hey, I want to put my timpani out in movement four, you're choosing to put it on one side or the other side, representing one of the two composers. And at the end of the game, whichever co- composer contributed most to a section, they give you like more victory points than the other one. So you'll get points for all of your discs out there. Uh, but yeah, that's that's mainly like what you're doing is you're like, you're getting cards to update your deck. You're getting cards for um, Tableau, you know, like for running your Tableau. And there's a lot of like in-game scoring tiles that are related to the types of Opus cards you have in your Tableau. So there are like hmm. lots of different ways you can Do you have to know music? Victory points. Sheet music at all? <laughs> No, you you don't need to know music because the iconography oh. is re- is really good. Oh. Um, but I like I said, I think what I like about it a lot is number one, the theme. You know, it's it's yeah. music related, and it's just like it's a more unique theme. And then there's a lot of player sure. interaction with like getting cards from the card market and moving Mozart around the map, and you know, 
You'll just be so like, kind of like oh, tug of warring with him or something. A, a, a little bit, a little but bit. it's like yeah. you don't know. Like if everybody decides to take a travel action. And you're like really happy with where Mozart is because you're like, oh, it's only. Oh, I didn't mention you have to spend money. The, like the further uh, Mozart moves around the map, there's like coins in between each location. So okay. you're like, okay, I have, I have, I have one ducat right now, and I, if you know, if Mozart stays there, then I can move, move him here, and I could get this cool benefit. But oh no, somebody else moved Mozart. Yeah, you know, three spaces away. Yeah. Right. So, gotcha. yes, so so the interaction is just great. And I just like how you can, like, kind of customize your own uh, action card deck. And it's like there's, like, some engine building to it. Um, so it is, is like, this one. It's similar to? Is there any kind of game it's similar um, to? I don't know. I can't really think of anything specific that it's similar to. Um, it has kind of a, like, honestly, it almost reminded me a little bit, maybe because of the art style of On the Origins of Species a little bit. Um, it's the same artist. There's, Could be the same artist. There, there's, there's something that's, you know, really, like, smooth and enjoyable about it. And uh, honestly, like, this was almost going to be on my top five list, but um, I just had some other ones that I had to put on there instead but um right. i'm well, really already, i'm really digging it. it you don't have to go yes. to germany to play it <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh yeah I'm, I'm really i'm really digging that and that is lacrimosa what else have you been playing my other game that i've been playing is called bad company bad company no, bad not related company. to the okay. song <laughs> <laughs> uh you know bad company or the band wasn't that bad company a band was that a i song? think it's a band okay. yeah is it a bandana song? Anyway, I, I kind of have this memory of a, of a song or a band called Bad Company. Um, so in Bad Company, you are um, operating a gang of height uh, that plan heists. So not violent. It's more of a <laughs> robbery type gang. Gotcha. I guess is the, the idea. I mean, it has the kind of um, things, you know, like you need in a robbery, like gloves and masks things like that. And oh, also you got to recruit, you got to recruit members to your gang and uh, drive a car and avoid the cops. Um, <laughs> um, and, but you're building uh, the, the, it's, it's a, a dice. This is a dice rolling. How do you explain it? It's a space based mechanism. If you ever played space based where you roll the dice yep. and then you see what your spaceship, yeah, this is roll the dice and activate the gang members you want to activate, which they collect <laughs> items Based on what they do, some of the gangs do driving and some of them uh, give you money and some of them give you good, you know, things to perform the heists. And it's kind of got a lot going on, actually, for a simple dice rolling game where you're just basically rolling dice each turn because you get to choose which dice. You roll four dice and of, of the four you get to choose. You get two pairs of dice. So you break them into two pairs. So, like, let's say if I roll like a, uh, I can make a six and an eight. Right. So I'll, I'll activate the six and the eight other players. Can you take one of those numbers and activate them? I will get them both. Ah, um, I think that's exactly how, I think that's how it works. I'm trying to remember exactly how I'm pretty sure that's it. But so I would, cool. I would potentially get two activations and everybody else would get one. Um, and so you would get things off your out of turn. 
So it's sort of one of those games where you're always involved, right? You can do stuff when you That's get, cool. When yeah. You, when you're not your following turn, people, which sort is of. fun because you're not just sitting there waiting for someone to take their turn. Um, <clears throat> and then as you're doing um, activations, you're getting goods, which lets you acquire heists or break uh, into safes type thing. I guess they're safes <laughs> or just you're just doing heists, right? And what you get from the heists are loot. And the loot can be gold, diamonds, um, gosh, what are the four? Uh, art. And <laughs> nice. I feel like there's one other thing that I'm forgetting. That's also a sort of a, not area control, but like whoever has the most diamonds becomes the leader of the gang of diamonds. They get a, oh, they nice. get a special necklace that they can wear and you put it on one of your heist members and it's very clever. Like the, the, the necklace is a cardboard cutout that you put on your, on your character and Oh, that's cool. You know, he's got like a, this really cool, you know, diamond necklace kind of thing. <laughs> and he gets more active. He gets more point. He gets points when uh, when you activate him. He's blinged so out. <laughs> they're blinged. Yeah, they get the bling points. And um, and then there, um, one aspect of the game is you have to drive faster than the cops. Otherwise, you're going to get hit for negative points by the end of the game. So the cop car is always moving. That actually triggers when the end of the game is. So when one of the dice you roll is a cop car die, and that moves the cop a certain number of spaces on this other board, and you have to stay ahead of them, and there's loot to pick up on the car, and they're driving <laughs> the car, and there's shortcuts. There's kind of a lot to it. It was really surprisingly That's cool. kind of more game than I thought there would be. And um, there's powers. Instead of looting for goods, you could get powers. So you get like some abilities and things for your gang. And this is not a long game. It's very quick. Um, cause you're just rolling, you know, eventually we'll come to an end because the cop moves far enough. Um, and you're basically trying to get the most points by getting the most loot. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting something. Oh, there is a fun part of the game where you configure your gang on the beginning. You get like two, like a noun and a verb. So you'll have like <laughs> the sneaky ninjas. I think that's what it is. It's adjective and a, and a noun. So and that's your gang name? The sneaky ninjas. It's like, yeah, you, you cut it in they're they're boards that are cut in half and you get half one half of one half of the you know, your gang name and the other half. So you have sneaky ninjas <laughs> versus um lucky angels or something, you know, different names like that, or lazy ninjas, stuff like that. So that's <laughs> cool. kind of fun. That is and they fun. all look different. All the art is different, all the characters are different. Um and as you recruit more of them, they get taller. <laughs> So you could recruit more. Yeah. When you recruit, you're recruiting like numbers, right? So, you you know, it's dice rolling. So it's two through 11. Um, and you put more gang members on your board and you will increase their, um, the, how much loot you'll, how much loot you'll get when you roll them, uh, or how much, you know, resources you'll get. So, mm -hmm. and they get taller as they, cause they all have the same, <laughs> like, it's kind of interesting how they did it. So wherever you put them, they match into the artwork and you can make them taller. You just lay the card on top. Very cool. Pretty cool game. It's called um, Bad Company. I don't know if it ever got an English release. It was only in German uh, ah. or a German uh, version. It's an English, an English written um, rule book. Um, I think I'm not 100% you know sure if it did it? have a. Yes, it was um, a Porta Games, which is um, a Norwegian company. So it's technically not German, but it did come out in Essen. Um, you're, you know, in a European game, obviously. 
I don't know if it got a U.S. release, but I think there's something coming. This There's probably going to be some more stuff at Essen. Um, I'm not sure if there's an expansion or anything, but it could be. Cool. I feel like it needed – it could use one. And not like it needed one. It, it's perfectly fine as, as it is, but with that kind of fun thing they've designed, you know, it would be cool to have more. And that's awesome. um, Christian Admanson Otsby and Elif – I don't think I'm saying the names right. Eilif Svensson and Kenneth Minda, three designers. But Christian Opsby is pretty well known. He's done a lot of stuff. He did the Magnificent recently and Automania, oh. Capital Lux. Do you remember those games? Yeah. Oh, I love he Capital Lux. He also did Lux. that original Escape. Did you ever play Escape Curse of the Temple where you're rolling the dice? Yes. Yes. That's where you're that's, like rolling dice and it's real time. Yeah. Real time that game rolling, is awesome. Yeah. Cool. And this is pretty great. I feel like it's a little under the radar, um, mostly because it did not get a United States, you know, a U.S. release. But um, hopefully someday. I, I've never heard of it. <laughs> Bad company. Okay, I'll take Bad it out. Company. Yeah. Well, I uh, a couple weeks ago I went to uh, Strategicon, which is my local uh, L.A. convention here, and uh, I always try to go in with the uh, to the virtual flea market and. Uh, sell more than I buy and I was actually successful and this time I only picked up a few and most of them were like smaller games so one of the smallest games that I think exists in my collection I picked up is called In Vino Morte um I don't know if you've ever heard about it but I'm just Vino naturally Morte. drawn to anything with a wine theme so I'm like oh I'll give that wow. a try <laughs> so um and Vino Morte is, it the is wine of death? pretty much pretty pretty much oh. when, when you see how it, when you see how it goes, you'll see why. But uh, it's published by Button Shy Games, which they make these uh, like pocket sized wallet uh, games, and right. it's designed by Chris Anderson. But it's a bluffing game that's kind of similar to Skull, uh, or some people know it as Skull and Roses. And I swear, when I first took out the rule book and started reading how it worked, which literally took like two or two minutes max, um, I was just already cracking up. And I have since okay. in the past couple of weeks, like I just carried around in my purse and I I've been like introducing it to so many people because it's really easy to teach, um, really quick to play. But the idea is you have uh, a 16 card deck where there are eight wine bottle cards and then there are eight poison cards. Um, so you, <laughs> yeah, you as the dealer um, get to look at all 16 cards and you're going to hand one. You're going to choose one to give to every player face down, including yourself. So everybody's got a card and you have you to shuffle? play with at least. No, 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 no. I'm choosing oh, no. to give you oh, cards. Oh, you get to choose. Yeah, oh, so I'm giving okay. everybody a card face down, and there has to be at least one wine bottle card in play and one poison. But beyond that, I get to choose what I'm giving. So if the, in a five-player game, I could give one wine bottle and four poisons and four out, poisons. <laughs> or vice versa. Yeah, so you give out these cards, and then it starts to the player who's to the left of the dealer, and they have two choices. They can either drink... Or swap cards with someone else. So if you drink, you're going to like reveal your card. If it's poison, you're knocked out of the round. 
uh, or knocked out of the game. Um, but if it's wine, you live, you did well. And then, or if you swap, you swap cards with another player, uh, including you could swap with the dealer, um, but it's face down and you don't reveal it. Then it keeps going around. Everybody gets that choice. So when it gets back to whoever's to the right of the dealer after they make that decision if they want to drink or swap, whoever still has a card face down in front of them reveals it and you kind of see like, oh, who, who ended up with poison? Who ended up with wine? Um, but the the game, it like kind of blows my mind with how much, how many mind games, like how deep you right. can get with it. Well, it's like, well, I don't think Aldi would give me poison, but maybe he thinks I think he wouldn't give me poison, so he did give me poison. And then you start just questioning all these things. I know that things. you know that I know that you know. Yeah, that <laughs> exactly. Thing. And uh, there was a little bonus that came with uh, with the game that I didn't even realize because um, it wasn't on the listing, but it had this uh, cheese expansion, which is uh, KCS Vitae, um, and it just basically adds three cheese cards. So okay. depending on the player count, you can give out a cheese card after you like deal the cards to everybody or hand out cards to everybody. You can give um, a certain amount of cheese cards out to um, to the players. And that gives everybody who doesn't have a cheese card one additional action option on their turn. So they could drink, they can swap cards, or they can steal cheese from someone and cheese when you reveal it reverses the effect of whatever your card is right so if you end up with cheese oh so and it poison, opposites you exactly so poison becomes wine and wine becomes poison, poison. is good with wow. cheese yeah and yes. wine is bad with <laughs> cheese so it's just like this silly game um, i was just at that my friend's wedding in michigan I taught it to so many people and one set of friends, like their daughter, I think is eight. And she's just like, I want to play Vino Morte. I want to play Vino Morte. Like she got hooked wow. on this game. So it's just a, a fun little game that'll just get you laughing. How many players can it play? It, it's from three to nine players. Nine, um, yeah. But we also made up a variant for two players <laughs> to play it, but... Yeah, it's cool, and I just love that it's like one of those games like Love Letter or something where you can just kind of take anywhere. That sounds awesome. I don't know. I'd surprised I hadn't heard of this because I like this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. I think it might be out of print. I probably have it. I've backed. I've backed so many of their Kickstarters. You know, you get if you do an all in with the button shy, so you get like twenty games because they have. You know, <laughs> that like makes sense because they're also tons small of little games. Yeah. Yep, that's Invino Morte. Let's jump into our, our feature topic here and talk about our top five spiel games that we're excited for. Sounds good. So, Aldi, I'm very well aware that there could be a ton of listeners of this podcast who might not even know what spiel is as we keep what mentioning is spiel? it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's a convention. It's actually called Essen. Well, it's not called Essen. Everybody refers to it as Essen because the city it's in is named Essen. It's in Essen, Germany. But it, for some reason, it had just become synonymous with the word, are you going to Essen? Instead of Spiel, which is hard for Americans to say because it's a <laughs> Spiel. A Spiel sound is not really a Spiel. One time I um going to Essen or Spiel, I got stopped at the border. <laughs> well, didn't get stopped at the border. You have to go through the immigration in Germany. And the border agent says, why are you here? And I said, I'm going to Spiel. And he goes, what? 
I said, I'm going to spiel in Essen. He goes, no, you're going to spiel. <laughs> and he makes like a fist pump. I was like, okay, you're one of the, you're a gamer guy. He knew it. He knew what it was. I'm going to start doing that. Spiel. But he had to, he had to give me the, the right pronun- pronunciation. Spiel. But it's, it's pretty much the, the biggest board game convention in the world. It is the biggest. Right? Yeah, I think it is the biggest board yeah. game convention. Several hundred thousand people attend. It takes over the city of Essen, Germany. It's in there. It's in the Messe, which is convention center um, in the city center. Uh, not in the center of the city, but right close to it. And um, yeah, all people from all over Europe attend it. Um, fully international. People all over the world really are starting to come to this. They yeah. used to be fairly like, oh, Germany, <laughs> you know, but now it's everywhere. It's an annual, it's, it's been a typically a t- place to release your newest game for the year. Probably a little less mainstream. Like the big publishers are there, but like it is more of a independence type show. Independent publishers uh, coming to show their games. Um, you know, some, some companies might just have one game. Um, the bigger ones obviously have more, um, maybe between five to 10 or maybe even like 20 to 30 new releases just to, that are debuting there. And so we've been going for the past, oof, I, th- my first Essen was in, I think it was 1999. I think that was the year it's either 1999 wow. or 2000. I can't quite remember. What was even there back then? <laughs> it was, there was, it was a smaller deal. It was not. And by the way, <laughs> hardly anybody spoke English. That was, that was an, it was a a bit of a culture shock. Like when I went there, uh, the first week we went, we went to London, which is what I call Europe light because it's English speaking, but it's still Europe. It's still, you get like uh, the little differences that happen Mm. in Europe, right? Like you get acclimated. First of all, you get your time zone change and, and, you know, and then you, and then we went to Germany the next week. And that was when, as soon as I came into Germany, and I got on the bus and someone <laughs> yelled at me in German because my bag fell on them. Oh. That's when I knew I'm not in Kansas anymore. I'm like, I just smiled and like nodded my head. I just, I, sh- I shrugged my shoulders, smiled and nodded my head because I didn't know what to say. I didn't even know how to say um, how I, I didn't speak German in German. <laughs> wow. Sprechen Sie Deutsch was my constant question. Do you speak English? Yep. Or sorry, Sprechen right, Sie English. Right. Sorry. I didn't mean you're saying that right. Yeah. So that would oh, be like yeah. my first question because I don't speak German. I spoke English. And if, the, if they said nine, which means no, uh, I would just say, uh, sorry, something. And then I would just move on to a different person. Getting cabs like that would be, that would be my first. Anyway. So it's a different world though now because almost everybody speaks English, which is kind of crazy yes. in 20 years. It's been uh, 22 years and you've been recently. So how was your, when did you read your first year you went? I, I went for the first time, first and only time so far in 2019, uh, just ahead of the pandemic year. And I think that was when we first met in person. That uh, I think that is the first time. You were walking around picking up games with Lincoln. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I only went for two days. I went through, picked up all the games I was excited to get and had a great time. I loved like all the different people playing board games around the city and, you know, having mulled wine. And I think uh, I got, I can't think of the name of it, but I got some other little wine card game that came out at the time. But it was like cool to get proper mulled wine in Germany and just 
be, you know, I, I walked, we were walking home one night from dinner and uh, bumped into um, Efka and Elaine from uh, No Pun Included. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was just a really cool experience. And I'm, I'm looking forward to going back in a couple of weeks, this time with the BGG crew. So that it should be, right. should be That's awesome. a couple weeks from now. Yeah. Yeah. But the moment we've all been waiting for, let's, yeah, let's so talk what are we about. Looking forward to? <laughs> Yeah, what we are. By most the way, there's a lot to, to choose from. There are hundreds and hundreds <laughs> of games hard. to be. Uh, Eric Martin from BGG and also Stephen uh, Cordell, who has been <laughs> helping us do the pre- preview list, has been compiling this game list for a few months now. Yeah. So we're going off that. If you don't know what that is, that's on Board Game Geek. If you go to the preview section, it's got the Eschen Spiel 2022. I think it had 800 or no, there's over a thousand titles, but only 600 or or 700 are in English. So I filtered on that first. <laughs> I filtered out the German one. There's a little bit of overlap. Narrowing down from uh, 700 to, to five. Yes. <laughs> it was hard. It was, it was That's hard. Super hard. There was way many more than five. A lot, of, a lot of good stuff coming out. So what's your number five? Number five. I don't think these are in any specific order. I just... I could, you know, as, as I caught some that caught my eye really on the higher, well, not even, not even on the higher level. These are just five that I'm very interested in. Let's say, um, number five is rise and fall by one of my favorite designers who gets way, not, not enough notoriety, not enough. I keep saying notoriety, but I mean, recognition, let's say Christophe Bollinger, Bollinger. Do you know Hmm. that name? I don't know that name. Have you ever played Archipelago or Dungeon Twister or? No, I've heard of Archipelago though. Yeah, Archipelago. I call it Archipelago, but yeah, Archipelago, and um, that's his big game. I think that's his big game that he's known for. Dungeon Twister was also a big one uh, back in the day, but he is a um, fabulous designer, and I'm super looking forward to this because I don't think he's put out a big game. He has put out a couple big games. Four Gods, I think, was recent. Um, that was 2016, and don't know if he's got one more recent than that. But yeah, so um, Rise and Fall is a sort of a civilization game okay. from what I can gather. I have only been able to like gather a little bit of information from what's been out there. So it looks really okay. interesting to me. Like you're controlling a um, civilization and you're playing on a, a land. You know, the landscape's unique. It's not like you're playing in the wor- the real world. Um, it's a fantasy world. And so you start small and you grow into a, a full civilization with more powers, more units and stuff. I think it has zero luck. So that's an interesting Ooh. thing. I'll, I'll read this sa- statement. Rise and Fall is a very immersive and addictive game. I like that always when, mm. it, when it's in a description. <laughs> easy to understand. with Easy to understand. So easy to learn. Lifetime master. With no luck or randomness involved. The initial creation of the world itself is a real pleasure. And each game brings a different map to the table and then says new players will enjoy the game for its easy access aspect. Since all actions you can do are displayed on the six cards of your player deck. So you have all of these actions right from the start says the more exigent this word. I don't know what the word exigent means, but the more exigent strategic players will love the, I don't know that's a word either. Strategic players will love the game for its full control aspect. And the fact that the learning curve seems to be a constant line of progression, which sounds good. Sounds like it's that got more than one. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's two to four players, no language. No, it doesn't require any text or anything. So I'm, I'm liking that. It's got 
fantasy and territory building, right? So you're building out your civilization on a map. Um, cool. Area majority influence. Deck, bag, and pool building, which is interesting because if there's no randomness, I'm not sure how that works, but whatever. And simultaneous action selection. Hey, that sounds actually really interesting. Rise and fall. It does say 2023 as the year, year of release. I hope it comes out at Essen. I think it was oh, said it was going to be Oh, they might have it just for demo then. I hope not. <laughs> I hope they, they you know, they <laughs> might change this. You know, BGG is always fluid, right? I thought right. I saw something that, like, um, one of the guys, uh, what's his name? Um, the Board Game Co. I call him Sender Radcliffe, but it's I know it's Alex Radcliffe. But he got a copy, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure he did a video recently. So that's exciting. So okay. I'm guessing it's well, going to be there. I'll, we'll I'll keep my one. eyes peeled for that yeah, one. Keep an eye out for it for me. By the way, I'm not going to Essen, but Candace is. I'm saying Essen. Spiel. Candace is going to Spiel. <laughs> I'm not, unfortunately. When but you say Spiel, I'm raise be your there fist. In spirit. Spiel. Spiel. <laughs> um, my number five is War of the Ring, the card game. Sounds good to me. Yeah, I, I love War of the Ring. And uh, I actually got to play a quick. Uh, partial like demo game of War of the Ring the card game at Gen Con. Um, and this is designed by Ian Brody, who's the designer of uh, the Quartermaster General series. Yeah. I never played any of those uh, games, but I think they're like World War One and World War II. Oh, Quartermaster General is fun. You should you should definitely get that game in if we can. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Like I know he has like a lot of them. Um, and it, this is published by Ares Games. But basically, it's a two to four player game where you split up in teams into two teams, one being the shadow, the other being the free peoples. And each player is going to get their own specific, like different uh, deck of cards. Even if you're in the same team, you have a, a different deck of cards and you're going to play cards you know, representing different characters, armies, items, and events from War of the Ring. Since it's all cards, there's no, like, map. So each round, the starting player is going to, like, activate one battleground and a path. <laughs> and um, and then you're, you're going to pretty much compete over those two territories. And certain, like, battlegrounds can only, you know, certain armies can play there, certain armies cannot play there. There's also there like there's a lot of like hand management because every time you play a card, you have to cycle a card, which means like discard it face down. So you're you're always like have this whole moment with your hand like what can I kind of what don't I need? You know, maybe sometimes it's easier like I I won't be able to use this army this round. I'll definitely cycle that card. But what I liked about what I saw of it so far is that it seems like it's kind of like a blend of you know, a living card game, like almost like Lord of the Rings LCG mixed with some of the elements of War of the Ring. I think that's what I liked with the War of the Ring. Like all the characters are in that game. Yeah. And, you know, like every card in that game is sort of thematic of the, I want to say the movie. It's the book. Right, the, right. The, you know, yeah. I've only seen the movie. <laughs> yeah. I've not read the books. But I feel like I should read the books. But someday, you never know. <laughs> but yeah, the thematic stuff is really what gets me. Like that, hopefully that is retained with this game. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. I'm I'm thinking it is because I also, you know, a month or so ago, Ian Brody posted a designer diary on it. And this guy seemed just like a diehard Lord of the Rings fan. Uh, yeah, so you need that. That, that, yeah. that <laughs> designer diary just got me even more excited to like kind of get my hands on this and try it. So um, that is my number five, War of the Ring, the card game. Aldi, what's your number four? My number four is Beast. B-E-A-S-T. Beast. Is that on your list? Ah, 
It's not on my list, but I'm excited about that. <laughs> yeah, it sounds really awesome. It's it's a hidden movement game. So it's a one versus many. And I'm guessing the one is the beast. So I'm sure all the beast players will be. I'll be the beast probably. Uh, <laughs> and they're, it's a hidden movement. And they have like really cool powers. Apparently they've got like, you know, all the beasts have unique powers. And then it, the, all the hunters are of a fantastical nature. I really like the art on this one. Yeah. Uh, a bunch of the art pictures have been posted on BGG. Um, and it's got like, you know, you're going around this world of mountains and rivers and there's terrain and there's cities. And it's like, I didn't want to like d- dig into too, too much to it, but cause I didn't want to spoil everything. Cause there's like, Oh wow. What does this character do? What is that character? Like, I think there's special right. abilities, which I love hidden moving games with special abilities, like the sniper game by David Thompson. Have you? Played oh that? yeah. Sniper elite. Oh, yeah. 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 Sniper Wait, elite. So, and, sorry. Who, so who designed this one? Oh, uh, this is from Aaron Midhall, Elon Midhall, and Aaron Aaron. Oh no, it's Aaron Midhall, Elon Midhall. Beast. Okay, is it is the that, game you're thinking it, of? I wonder if it's the one you're thinking of. I know it's the game I'm thinking of. I'm gonna look it up okay. right now. Studio Midhall is the publisher. I think these are first time designers, if I'm not mistaken. So I probably like looked this game up at the same time as something else. <laughs> But yeah, this right. one uh, I'm subscribed to because I was like, this sounds really awesome. Yeah, it sounds right up my alley. Yeah, the theme is great. It's a fantasy-based hidden movement, which, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think has been done. I know there's a lot of hidden movement games out there. Now, the, there is a Hunt for the Ring, which is a Lord of the Rings themed hidden movement yeah. game. But that's different. It's not, I mean, the fantasy is based on Lord of the Rings. It's not, you know, you get ring race versus hobbits this is different it's a little more fantastical i guess more high fantasy cool i think <laughs> you know it's hard to get to get a lot from the from the previews and i'm trying not to spoil it um because it looks like really cool at my alley kind of game yeah it's the kind of game that you kind of want to just go in um a little bit ignorant so that you can just kind of experience yeah all i need to know is one versus many hidden movement cooperative on the you know one side and the art is sick let me see if there's any other mechanics in here that i'm forgetting cool there's seven mechanisms listed on this game by the way for bgg oh really (laughs) hand hand management hidden movement open drafting point-to-point movement secret unit deployment team-based game and variable player powers those are all my keywords right there (laughs) deduction (laughs) fantasy fighting horror done sold (laughs) sold and take my money (laughs) yep What's your number four? So my number four is 1880 China. Oh, is that an 18xx game? It is an 18xx game, and it's designed by Helmut Oli and Leonard Olger, the the two guys that designed Russian Railroads, and it's published oh. by Lookout Games. But this game was originally released back in 2010, and I think there was a reprint in 2016, and I've just got into 18xx in 2020 and I quickly found from either reading or watching people's reviews that 1880 China is just a lot of people have it as one of their like top three 18xx games. So I've been really, really wanting to play it for so long um, and wanting to own it. You know, for those who aren't familiar with 18xx games, they're basically like railroad themed stock market and tile lane games. 
you know, you're, you, each player it gets to run and uh, run railroad companies, but also invest in different companies. And there's a crazy interesting stock market. And then you're building routes where you're like running trains and you're upgrading your trains to keep up with the times and technology. And you're, the object of the game is to make the most money. As far as I know, like 1880 adds like some new uh, innovations to traditional 18xx games. And it's also like, I think the designers. But it came out in 2010, huh? The original version came out in 2010? Uh, yeah, the original version came out in 2010. Oh, so just rep- is this a reprint or are they updating it? I think it's mainly a reprint with like new art and, you know, there might okay. be some rules improvements, but, gotcha. but there's definitely like new artwork, new, new board art, I, I believe. So 1848 Australia is one of my favorite 18xx games that I've played and it has the same designers. So I'm really kind of curious to see how 1880 China plays. And like I said, it's just been, one that I've been wanting to get my hands on for so long <laughs> well, because I love, yeah. I love 18 XX games and I feel like this is going to be, well, you know, I haven't played it yet, but I feel like this is going to be one that if I'm going to have a collection of just maybe like four or five ga- uh, 18 XX games, like I want this one to be one of those. What's the playing time on this one? Do you know? Oh no. <laughs> it, I think it says like 300 minutes. It says so 300 it's minutes. Like, so so five yeah, hours-ish. it's probably about a five-hour game, That's and an usually, old day thing. Yeah, yeah, usually my tastes tend to lean towards the the more weeknight evening games, like you know, like eighteen Chesapeake, and even eighteen forty-eight Australia is like not that long, especially if you're playing um, with people who know the game. And this one is definitely a little bit of a longer one, but it has some new, uh, well, new to me <laughs> mechanisms and twists on like the eighteen XX genre, which I'm curious about so that is 1880 china aldi what's your number three deal with the devil by check games edition cool i this one i cannot i can't quite figure this one out from the minimal amount of information that i've gotten on bgg but it is a secret role to hidden deduction game or hidden roles game so you one person's the devil one person's a cultist i think you have to play four player only one yes. person's a cultist. Yes. Two people are mortals. Some of them have the soul, like they have souls. Do you know much about this? Have you? Did you get? To I see do. Much about I'm, this? I'm sitting here smiling at you because Eric and I got a rundown of this at Gen Con when we had our meeting. Well, you with, tell me uh, about it then, because I only know <laughs> that. And then there's a, it's a little bit of a Eurofied, Eurofied, yes, uh, yes, hidden roles game. Tell me what you know. I'll tell you what I know, but I'll also tell you, spoiler alert, this is my number three. So that's why I'm also oh, okay. kind of well, like oh, laughing. Well, yeah, let's let's go to let's go to your number three then. Or no, wait. Do oh. you wanna we'll come back to it. Yeah, we'll yeah. come back to it. Since you know more than no, me. No, no, no. Yeah, I'll, I'll let just, me do I'll my just number tell three. you. Well, no, that was my number three. But we're all both number three. Yeah, both that's why it's three. hilarious. Okay, well, you Are, talk. We both- <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. But we did not coordinate this at all. Zero. <laughs> So we both picked this as, yeah, (laughs) we both picked this as our number three, which is hilarious. But first of all, the designer is Matuis Kotri, which is the the designer that did Alchemist, um, which is already in itself like a very innovative game. Have you ever played Alchemist before? I have played Alchemist. I like that game. 
Yeah, it's it's super cool, very uh, like inventive. But um, this game, uh, Eric and I got a rundown of it at Gen Con. And yes, it has to be played with exactly four players, which I, I don't know that I know another game that has to like have a specific number of players like that. But anyways, you need four players for this game. One player, as Aldi mentioned, plays as a devil. One player plays as a cultist. And then the other two are humans. And this is an app-driven game where you're going to use the app. The app's going to kind of uh, tell players what their role is. And also, like, throughout the game, it'll facilitate you trading resources with each other. And there's some other activities in the games that the app kind of drives to make sure it keeps everyone's roles secret. But also, like, while, like, keeping a layer of deduction throughout the game. So the game is kind of played the same by all the players, but each player has their own goal. And um, human players start with like three pieces of their souls and the cultist has two pieces of a soul and then the devil has no souls. He's already sold some of a soul. <laughs> exactly. The devil is trying to get souls from people throughout the game right. and the human players are going to be like kind of tempted to sell uh, pieces of their soul for different things in exchange for money, resources um, and whatever their, their specific goals are. And then the, the other thing is like you were kind of mentioning is like, yeah, there's this like heavy Euro game that's blended with this secret hidden roles kind of game. Uh, that's just like, it seems like so unique. I'm so intrigued by it. Yeah, it does. Sounds really cool. I walked out of our meeting at Gen Con and I was just like, whoa, I cannot wait to try that. I don't know if I'm going to love it or just like it or not like it, but it's so ambitious and it just seems really interesting. Check games, uh, they do a lot of development on the games. So yeah, I'm hoping it'll be rock solid by the time it's done, right? Me too. Me too. But yeah, that is so funny that both of us picked that as our that's or, or that it ended yeah, up in our number out of three slots. Eight hundred games that we have on this list, or <laughs> seven hundred yeah. English um, that we both picked that for exactly yeah. the same spot. That's kind of crazy. So that is deal with the devil, Aldi. What's your number two? Number two is challengers with an exclamation point. Ooh. Is that on your list? It's not on my list, but. I've heard great things about it. Well, do you know anything about Challengers? This is only on my radar recently. Barely. Barely. So you tell me what you know. Z-Man. This is a Z-Man game. um, Okay. Which Z-Man, if anybody knows, has been acquired, was acquired by Sophie with the Plan B company. And then the Plan B was acquired by Asmodee. So it's an Asmodee owned company. Rolls up to Asmodee. Um, Not not that that really matters. But Johannes Krenner is the designer. Um Publisher Z-Man. I guess there's one more time. Games is the like co-publisher. Um, it is a capture the flag and hold it game. And mm. what you do is everybody gets the same cards at the beginning of the game. So we all have like seven cards. We have a seven card deck at the beginning of the game. And we get two cards to draft from, not draft, but you, we, we draw five cards and we get to choose two of those and put them in our deck. And if you don't want one of those, you can draw more. It's like there's some there's a little bit of mechanics there to figure out how to like draw and bit. you're basically adding two cards to your deck. And then you're you can take any number of cards out of your deck, but you do want to keep a good team because if you get knocked out early, you're then the game turns into an auto battler. Have you heard of those oh, auto cool. battler games that are like um all the rage? 
where you just <laughs> no. programmed the, you program the system and then it just plays itself. No, no, auto-battler. I haven't. Yeah, it's called the auto battler. I mean, it's you know you're de- deciding what goes into your deck, but you don't have really any control over how it comes out. You're just flipping cards gotcha. over. That doesn't gotcha. sound fun, but it is fun because you're basically <laughs> you're trying to seed your deck with the right powers and combos to, that will fire off and do the most be the most effective. And it's a capture the flag game. So you, you're, let's say you flip over your, you're the star player and you flip over a card with a one on it. Like th- that's the power of the card, right? Like it's just a plain old one. It's called the, they have okay. these funny names. They're like, it's themed. Like there's all kinds of weird things in this game. It's like a, it's like a grab bag of themes. Um, uh, you'll grab the flag. Cause you're a one, you, you're the king of the hill, right? So when I go, I have to beat your one. Well, or equal it. So of course every okay. card I'm going to play is going to play. But so let's say I play a two and I become now the king of the hill. I grab the flag. It's back on me. Then you have to play cards flip over until you get to a beat my two. Then you take the flag and then I got to beat your two. Let's say I get a three. Then you try to beat me and you can't beat the three. Well, let's say, you, you know, advance the game a little bit. You can't beat my three. So I'm, I'm the king of the hill. I win a trophy for that round. I think there's seven rounds in a game. We play seven rounds. Everybody plays against each other. So this is an up to eight player game. Wow. It's one to eight players. I don't know how the solo game works, but everybody (laughs) plays each other once or twice. And then whoever the top two players are, well, and then in between each round, you're going to draft more cards and modify your deck. Now, remember your deck doesn't, the way it comes out does not in your control. You just flip cards over until you, you know, you're just auto battling. And it sounds not great. You know, that doesn't sound fun, but it is really fun. I've <laughs> I've observed this being played recently. Spoiler alert. Game night. It's been on game night. Um, and that is super intriguing to me that because all I have to do is try to, you know, I'm trying to build my deck instead of like right. sitting there playing my cards and like deciding what I want to play. But then there's a couple cards that give you decisions like draw three cards, pick one and put it on top, the other two on the bottom. You know, like there's some manip- deck manip- manipulation powers. Some powers play off other powers. Then you've got a bench. Like when you get knocked out, you go in the bench. If your bench fills up, you lose. If you run out of seats for your bench. So you don't want your deck too big. Gotcha. Because if you gotcha. overfill your bench and all the people in the same of the same type <laughs> sit on the bench. So if I have three of the same card, they all sit on one bench spot. So there's that strategy there. So I think there's deeper strategy oh, than neat. what appears to be at the first and um, yeah, it's just called challengers with an exclamation point. Cool. Yeah, I know. I know Eric really was uh, digging that one. There's 75 characters with 40 effects. There's six themes in the game. So cool. like movie monster or like movies is a theme like Hollywood. And then there's um, clowns, I think was an or circus was another theme. So there's like little themes of like and there's animals and dinosaurs and stuff like that. Sounds really cool. cool. Um, check that one out, Challengers. Maybe there'll be a tournament at BGGCon someday. It seems like it could be a <laughs> tournament game. And oh, and you don't, if you get the most points, you don't automatically win. You and the next player with the next point. Like, so if you, it's not like a runaway leader thing. Like, because if a person gets all the most points, they just make it to the finals. And then if you're like in second place, the, the leader and the fine and the second runner up head to head to see who wins the uh... game completely. Which is kind of a cool, cool. idea too, because they're like if someone just runs away with it, they you know it's that's not great. So you have this final showdown match where you can tune your deck, you can add you know you add your final cards and or I think you can trim your deck. I'm not sure if you add final cards in that last round, but cool game. 
Cool. Sounds neat. Challengers. Looking forward to it. Well, my number two is uh, you brought up David Thompson a little bit ago. Uh, so I'll jump in and say my number two is Undaunted Stalingrad. Yeah. This is the newest in the Undaunted series um, by David Thompson and Trevor Benjamin from uh, Osprey Games. And uh, it basically takes the existing like Undaunted series and adds this new like branching narrative campaign to it where, oh. you know, every everything is like very player driven. So like every casualty you suffer in battle is going to like weaken your forces for the entire campaign. But um, alternatively or conversely, like anything, like as you use units more and more, they're going to get promoted and get like access to new actions and everything. Uh, then like if you blow up buildings, which are printed on the tiles, um, you're going to like then put a new tile out. So you're not putting like stickers on on your board or anything. Um, it's completely like replayable as a campaign. I was going to say, wonder if there was going to be stickers in the game. <laughs> yeah, no, no stickers. So you would just put a new tile out that represents, oh, now that building is blown up. Um, and for anyone who's not familiar with the Undaunted series, there's a two-player game uh, where you're commanding different platoons in World War II um, and you're doing it via deck building. So it's uh, each each standalone Undaunted game has multiple scenarios and each scenario yeah. you'll build like this modular map and it'll have specific goals for each side and you you play you play cards that are going to kind of command your forces on the map um, and each card uh, represents the different units you have and and they're like you know, maybe two to four actions they can take. Um, and then you can kind of reinforce and build your deck with more units to, to give your chances of, of playing certain units more if you have more of those cards in your deck. Um, it's really cool. I really love the series. I think it's uh, I think it's one of those games that's kind of a crossover where, you know, whether you're a war gamer or not, um, it's a really great game, especially if you like deck building yeah it, it's a very good strategy game lots of fun yeah it's accessible it's well done in terms of the rules and how easy it is to kind of understand how to play it but it's also just so tense <laughs> like when you're when you're playing like yeah. against someone you know i feel like i'm just sweating <laughs> inside as I'm every time I play that game, so I'm. It was a sign of a good game, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm just loving how that this series is kind of evolving. I'm really excited about what you know, Undaunted Stalingrad kind of adds to um, the whole series. I'm not really familiar with World War II that well, but I know Stalingrad was. Many movies have been based in that in that city, yes, and it's a big yes. uh, battle city for sure. Yeah, and I think if I recall. Um, Because I kind of got a rundown of this one at Gen Con also. Unlike the other Undaunted games, there's like kind of one map setup. Like you set up Stalingrad. <laughs> um, but again, like depending on what you're doing in the game, that's when things are going to kind of evolve with the map. Got it. So uh, that's my number two, Undaunted Stalingrad. So it's it's time. It's time. Even though you didn't put yours in a ranked order. <laughs> I didn't ever put these in ranking order, but this is my number one out of the list. It's called Findorf. 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 Okay. F-I-N-D-O-R-F-F. -F. There's three Fs in that, but it's a 2F Spiele game. 2F Spiele is uh, the design company or the publishing company of 
Uh, Freedom and Frieza, who has yes. done Power Grid. Uh, Findorf is a district. This is a one of the districts in Bremen, his hometown. Um, and it's named after Jürgen Christ, Christian Findorf, who was responsible for draining and surveying the bog in the north of Bremen and extracting the peat for populating the and for populating the bog with residents. I guess he let people he huh. extracted the he drained the swamps, extracted the peat, which was fuel, and uh, helped create residents or villages for to to form the city of Bremen. So that's the historical nature of it. Now it is a Euro game. Oh, cool. <laughs> where you are basically it's an economic engine builder. So and the resource is peat. Um, which is like a power grid thing. I think was Pete in power grid. I can't remember. Maybe I feel like Pete was in uh, in uh, Fields of Arl that Uwe Rosenberg. It is in Fields of Arl. I'm trying Rosenberg. to remember if it was a power grid good though. Maybe. I don't remember either. I don't remember. Well, you burn it for for energy, and mm-hmm. um, so it's a um, you're you're basically rebuilding the city or building up the city, and it's got an interesting. This is the thing I like about this. It says, "Do you raise the chair pipes factory?" <laughs> Or the slaughterhouse to gain a lot mm. of dollars, t- tallers, the money, or smaller structures like schools, the beer hall, or the peat skipper shelter to win the game in small <laughs> steps. You can even profit from the high mortality rate at this of this period by running a cemetery. I'm not exactly sure of the the mechanism of the game. <laughs> I can pr- sort of in- intuit that from the from the uh, mechanics, but um, let's see: hand management, income, market. It's got a solo game, variable setup. Now, Lincoln played this, and he said he really liked it. He got to play it at uh, – he went to visit uh, Henning, which is a employee of, of uh, Tuofspiele, and got to play it early copy. Cool. So I'm very excited for this game. Um, and Freedom and Frieza games are always fun. Like, I've never hit a dud with him. He's he's rock solid. And, um, yeah, Freedom of Findorf. And if you know Art – the artists of this oh is Mora. I don't know if you know Mora, but um, this is very unmora esque art. Mora no- mm. has this normal style, but this is definitely a different style for Mora. So I did not know much about this one, and now I'm kind of excited to check this out too. <laughs> we definitely got to try. We got to try all the Freedom in Games. <laughs> That's part yeah. of it. Every year, got to get them. <laughs> All right. Well, my number one. Number one. Yes. My number one might not be a surprise, but it is Great Western Trail, Argentina. Gotcha. I am so excited. And it's Alexander Pfister is the designer. You got to play that at Gen Con, right? Uh, I didn't get to play it at Gen Con, uh, but I got to see it and <laughs> kind of inspect the components and kind of got a rundown of everything. But I have since, like Lacrimosa, received a um, preview copy of it, and I've actually gotten a chance to play it twice so far at the time of this recording, wow. and it will probably, by the time this is published, probably uh, play it at least like three wow. more times. They're really into it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, like, Great Western Trail was, like, you know, the first heavy game, I think, that I ever played. And I just kind of uh, fell in love with it. Uh, I was awful. Like, my very first game, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, Apparently, I had a bad teacher also, which uh, didn't help. But at the time, I was only playing games like... Yeah, at the time I was only playing games like Splendor and King of Tokyo, and I just showed up at a meetup 
And they were like, oh, we're going to play Great Western Trail. And I was like, I think I've seen this. Sure, I'll play, you know. And it just like went completely over my head. But when I went home that night, I immediately ordered it. I I came back and told Matt, I was like so excited. My my brain was just like tingling in ways that had never tingled before. You got the tingles. Yeah, that's that's always a good sign. And I was just like, I want to figure this out. So then later down the line, um, I started hosting like kind of a game meetup. And we would play uh, Great Western Trail every week for like probably at least two or three months. And we would just, a couple of us would just try to like see how fast we could play it too. Um, like we would get there like 4.30 in the afternoon or so and just um, speed, <laughs> see if we could play Western it before trail. other people showed up Great at Western 6. Speed. Yep, yeah. yep. Take your turns quickly. But uh, anyway, so I was like very, very excited about Argentina. You know, that's like one of those things that was like, no matter how it turned out, it was going to be an insta buy for me. But um, after hearing about it at Gen Con, I was like, oh, like this, this actually sounds really cool. And then now after playing it two times, I'm just like, I think it's great. I think they, they completely um, nailed it in terms of having a similar feel to the original game but also being different mm. and like creating these new strategic options and like different challenges. So you still have the Rondell game board, but uh, it's actually the, the game board is kind of like mirrored. So the, the train goes the opposite way than the base game and the Rondell kind of goes the opposite way. So it kind of will mess with mess your, with your head for a split second. Well, that'll make you know that you're playing the other game. Yeah. But you're still like, you know, deck building with cattle cards and you're making deliveries, but the whole delivery system is different. So now instead of like dropping off deliveries at um, different railroad stations and trying to like get your train to go far so that you don't have to like lose money to deliver further, you are delivering to these ships. So you have like, I forget how many tiles, like maybe 10 or 12 ship tiles that are laid out and each ship tile has a loading value that you're trying to like, you know, deliver better cattle cards so that you can hit these higher um, ships to load one of your discs on and you're, you know, still removing your discs from your player board to unlock a bunch of cool abilities and all that good stuff. But what happens is as you fill up the job market by placing workers on that job market, you know, as you as people make deliveries, and there's that little like end game timer disc kind of thing that keeps sliding down as you fill up each row with workers. Now there are points along that uh, job market track that will say, hey, certain ships are taking off and they're going to these city boards. They, there are three different city boards, wow. which are double sided. And these, yeah, and these city boards will then take whatever whatever player whichever players discs are on the um boats they get dropped off and there are two different areas called keys um on each city that you can um that your disc will drop to depending on which uh ship it was on and then they just kind of sit there until you make future deliveries where you're able to if you have enough grain, which is a new resource, um, you can then claim a spot in the city, which gives you money and or victory points at the end of the game. So it's this whole thing where you're like balancing this timing and trying to get on the different ships before they take off. There's a new type of worker called uh, farmers. Hmm. So instead of just having the three workers, now you have a fourth worker called farmers. And the way you get farmers is... Uh, 
by rescuing them along the the Great Western Trail, you have to spend um, a certain amount of strength, which now your cattle cards have strength. Some of the workers you can hire have strength. So there's this whole other element of strength that you're needing to rescue these farmers. And then the more farmers you have, the easier it is for you to get more grain. And grain is good for, again, getting you to hmm. like your deliveries kind of when you get to the cities even better. So there's, there's just like a whole bunch of yeah, like really pretty, new. So it's got some similar DNA, interesting, but a lot more stuff going on too. Yes. New stuff. A lot more stuff going on. And it's just like, it's just like different enough that it's like kind of like the most experienced Great Western Trail players are going to have to like kind of, you know, come up with new strategies and, and like money is easier to get, but it's like you have a lot more to kind of manage. Oh, the other thing is your train, moving your train along the track is still important because depending on how far your train gets, there are different like shortcuts to delivering to Buenos Aires. So if you can get your train past a certain point, instead of taking the trail all the way to Buenos Aires, you can cut off early. <laughs> You're basically hopping your train and taking the train the rest of the way to Buenos Aires. <laughs> so um, that's also like giving you like new opportunities and options. And yeah, it's really, really cool. I, you know, I was super excited about it. When I started playing the first game that I played of it, I'm one turn in and I haven't played Great Western Trail in a while, even though I definitely consider it one of my favorite games. All those feelings just back. came back yeah. and I'm like, I love yeah. this. I love this. Yeah. So I'm I'm really excited about it. I'm I'm now I'm really curious to see what they're gonna do with New Zealand, right. uh, which is the third in the trilogy, right. uh, which I guess is coming out probably in two in two years' time, I would imagine. But yeah, I'm this is my number one game. Like if I if I was going to spiel and I could only get one game, it's gonna be Great Western Trail cool. Argentina. <laughs> Oh, it sounds like a good list. Yeah. And now, like, there were some games on your list that, that had me excited, too. I mean, there's so many games. It's so many games. We're, we're in a, a renaissance of gaming. So many things coming out. And we're, we're spoiled uh, with all the choices. By the way, back in the day, you could buy all the games at Essen in maybe half a day. <laughs> maybe in a couple, maybe two bags. You could fill up your two bags and be really? done. Yes, that was the way it was. It was not that. It was not, and you got all the new games. I, I packed almost every game in my, my one suitcase the first year I went to Essen. I bought probably 20, 30, maybe 30 games total. And that was pretty much everything. That was all wow. the big, you know, not everything, but, you know, most of the games that sort of like were the, the gamer games, let's say. Crazy. Yeah, well, you're not doing that anymore, huh? Nope, those games are long gone. <laughs> <laughs> now you need a whole crew. <laughs> the crew is going to pick up games. So if you see the crew, Candace will be there. Say hi. Introduce yes, yourself. I will. Are you going to be? I think you'll be wearing. Yes, your, you're probably wearing do. your jersey, right? Yeah, we'll we'll all be wearing our our BGG jerseys. So yes, please, yeah, please, please say hello if you are attending Spiel. And uh, yeah, I would love to say hi. But otherwise, uh, I'm really excited to just uh, like I know there are going to be so many new games that are not on either one of our lists that uh, I'm going to discover. That's another thing about Spiel. It's always the games that people talk about after, like, dur or during. Like, oh, did you check yeah. out blah blah? And you're like, no, I've never even heard of that game. What are you talking about? Yeah. And so that was that's sort of fun, the fun thing as well. As well. Being a, an attendee of Spiel, that's always a good time. 
And the food and the beer. Yes. Eat, eat schnitzel and currywurst and drink beers. <laughs> or wine, as it were. You know, or mold wine. Mold wine. There we go. <laughs> Well, great, great talking to you, Aldi. This was really fun, and I'm, I'm stoked to to play all these games that we talked about. Yeah. Well, thanks for hosting the first podcast, the Board Game Geek Podcast, and um, thanks for letting me be the first guest on the show. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You've been listening to the Board Game Geek Podcast, produced and edited by Candace Harris. Special thanks to Matt Fonda for editing and mixing our music. Be sure to visit us on the web at boardgamegeek.com. You can also find us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitch under Board Game Geek. You can reach us by email at podcast at boardgamegeek.com. Thanks for listening and happy gaming. <laughs>